Hello, this is Saya. Welcome to the Hearsay Podcast, and we are up to episode number 86. A little bit of Saya news. I have an album coming out on the 4th of August. It's called Here Is One I Know You Know. A few singles have already been released, um, so you can check those out already on all platforms. But the album will be out on the 4th of August through It Records in Melbourne. And I am so very excited. You can pre-order it now by Googling It Records or you can go to the sayamusic.com website. Um, all the info is there and in an easily clickable link. Yay! Um, so my guest today is my friend Jon, actual name Simon Hall, uh, but I don't know anyone who calls him Simon. Um, and he's from Tripod. He has an amazing podcast out called Minuscule Musical, which we will talk about on this show, um, which you should all listen to. It's very entertaining and cool, and it's a lot of work, so you should totally go check it out. Jon is, of course, from the Melbourne musical trio Tripod, who have been around since the early 90s, I think, and have had an incredible career in TV, radio, live comedy, and all the rest. And they've also been my mates for a very long time, so it was super nice to catch up with Yoni. Um, I did quite a shit job of introducing him on the actual podcast, so there's a little bit of backstory to, um, you know, where he came from and what he does. I did have a little cold while we were having this chat. Um, we were talking remotely, so I didn't, uh, you know, infect anyone with my germs. But apologies for the nasalness of my voice. Um, but it was a super fun chat, as always, with Yoni, and I really hope you enjoy it too. Yon's strange show experience, um, he had a few, which were all so great. Um, you can look forward to listening to those at the end of the episode. But this one in particular was illustrated by my very clever friend, Vanessa Norlander. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at Ness underscore Norlander. Okay, here we go. Episode number 86 with Yon. Hey, Yoni, you've done a podcast. I know. Do you want to know what it is? <laughs> yeah, man. Tell me all about it. Well, but I mean, you've done heaps of, I feel like you've done heaps of podcasts because I'm constantly, I've been listening to your tripod podcast for a long time, um, but now you've done your own. So one. I get that makes me a podcaster, doesn't it? Like, can I, can you're I just def- put that definitely. in my credits? <laughs> You can put it on your customs form now. Oh yeah, I'll put that instead Podcast of what did, job. There was this whole thing for a period where it was like, now when you when you go through customs, make sure you put writer performer or something. It was something really specific, and I always. Oh. So I was like, why that did you do specifically? It? I think so. I always get scared <laughs> in those sorts of situations and just do I know. the right thing. Artist. Yeah. Artist. I think that's what I do. Artist podcaster. So my podcast, it's called Minuscule Musical. And yes, um, I've got together with six different people, and for each episode, I collaborate with one of those, and we come up with a little story, or um, you know, or, or base it on a story that we've heard, and write like a little musical. So, you know, depending on the depending on the episode, it's like three songs, or you know, however it kind of works. Really, I think some of them blew out to. More like five songs or anyway. I think what is really lovely about it is that because so many podcasts these days are really long, including mine sometimes, but this one, I mean, the episodes are only like 25 minutes or something and the actual musical bit is only 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's really easily digestible. Yes. I, I, I like that too. I mean, I've... It's not like I sort of set out. I really want. I really want to make a short podcast or anything. But it just felt like that was the right length for the idea. You know. Well, tell me about the idea. Tell me about like how you came up with it. Well, it, like it's from a bunch of things, really. I mean, Tripod have been, um, which is the trio that I work in. If I don't know if that's yeah, not. Yeah, I should clear have done a better intro. Oh, that's Sorry, right. I've really fucked this. That's all right. I'll, I'll do all of it. Um, <laughs> You're the podcaster here. So I'm in. I'm in this. I've been in this comedy group 
slash music group for like <laughs> for like um ever ever let's yeah. call it ever 30 years maybe depending on where you count it from right and very uh, like we all you know we, we all are a fan of musicals um and from quite early on we were writing musicals um or versions of and some of our some of our there's even like what i think of um we, we did this thing on triple j for a little while where um it was called Song in an Hour and we were given like five oh, or six. yes. I love that. Oh, great. Well, we were given like five or six topics and we had, you know, while they were on air or whatever, Will Anderson and Adam Spencer for most of it, I think it was. Um, and they'd give us all these topics and maybe a musical style and then we'd have to go off for an hour and write a little song and, it had, you know, it had to have harmonies or whatever, you know, whatever it needed to have to, to feel mm. fully realised. And um, and then we'd play it live on the radio, which was always like it was such a great foundation for for so much of the stuff I still do. Um, I bet in terms of writing and you know understanding how great restrictions can be. Yes, you sort of you know you you spend all this time thinking about restrictions and how they how they help you, and then you and then you sort of get come out the other end and go, oh, it just means an idea, like a. Res- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> but on those song in an hour things, like there's one in particular that we did, and it, and it was called um, Outtakes from Urinetown because there was this musical that was coming to town called Urinetown, but no one knew anything about it. And so it's like, what the hell is that? So we had to just sort of, mm. we, our job was to just sort of imagine what that might be. So so we ended up playing, I think it goes for like six minutes or something, but it's it's a whole little self-contained story. Um, Amazing. And another, I think another, like, even before that, Gatesy did a thing with Peter Hellier about um, about Bevan Adensall from um, Young Talent Time, and yeah. and that was like a little that was that was a minuscule musical as well, I guess. Like, you know, so it's sort of like it's something that's not like a new idea for you. It's something that's just sort of a natural progression of what you've already sort of been doing in a way. Or stuff. This is stuff that's given you the foundation to do it. It is a little bit. The other thing, the other thing that was a big inspiration for me was um, I was listening to the original Broadway cast recording of Annie. Oh yeah. And it played all the way through, and then the sound went all scratchy, and suddenly there were there was just this really badly recorded piano in a in a medium-sized room sounding with a couple of sort of not great singers singing these songs that weren't <laughs> from Annie or some of them were and some of, and I can't, it, there was no I had no idea what it was because it was just playing in the car so there was no you know I didn't see what the track listing was or anything and then I kind of realized this is like this is like a pitch session um by the writers of that of Annie to like some producers oh, wow. or something to just a room of like 15 people and and you know they're singing these songs and they're kind of like half-baked versions of what the a lot of the songs end up being and and then so they sing all these sort of shittier versions of songs and then suddenly one of them starts singing tomorrow whoa and then you go and then it's like this it's kind of for me anyway because I, I like annie um, this kind of goosebumps moment of like fucking hell. Th- these are people who are hearing the word this the song tomorrow by the people who wrote it for the first time. And was that one kind of fully formed in the? That song is pretty much fully formed, yeah. And I, I just like that idea that everything else is really wonky. I I don't really know how different songwriters work, but definitely the way musicals work and the, and the relationship with songs to them. I feel like it's really something you have to just keep retooling and retooling and retooling. And maybe some songwriters work that way too. I don't really know, but yeah, I th- I think they do. And but I think that this is going back to what you were talking about before. I think it's really uh, unique to have to sort of go with your first idea. You know, like I th- I think a lot of musicals probably do get retooled, rewritten, rejigged all the time. Um, and there's a lot of work that goes into it, obviously, but with this kind of exercise, and I'm sure with like that song in an hour, more than your, your minuscule musicals, Mm. but you have to go, there's no time 
to question. It's just like yeah. this is happening with our minuscule ones. Like we did actually, we did actually write them over a few days. It's they're not they're not song in an hour, and you know what I mean. They're not. Oh yeah, they're not against the clock so much. What I do like about them is we've got this. You know, we've basically got this these this little story and these songs going together. And then before doing too much else, we've put it in front of a crowd. And I think particularly with with musicals, like you need to kind of see if the story works and if the songs are telling the story properly. Like, mm. and, and there are so many musicals out there that didn't do, didn't actually do well at all, but they might have one or two killer songs. But because, but because the story didn't work, the, the musical just didn't succeed. You know, I think writing for musicals and writing outside of that, it's a really different kind of mindset because you're trying to you're trying to write this song that serves a story. And often the lyrics in musicals songs from musicals are really naff because they're they're just a cog in a storytelling machine. They're not do you know what I mean? They're, they're not, not a poetic. piece of poetry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I was just talking to someone about that um the other day actually about like how we wish that songwriting was less poetic sometimes because sometimes you do actually have something that you want to get out in terms of you, you know your thoughts and they're really um you have a or a strong message or whatever or a, or a storyline yeah. and then you have to make it fucking pretty and sometimes you just wish you didn't have to but um yeah I mean I guess that's a choice you could just not do it yeah I think on both people on both sides of that want the other thing like I think yeah you know if you're writing a musical sometimes you're like I don't want to you know I just want to luxuriate more in this bit and not be having to keep the story moving quite as much yeah um something that I I think Scott who I who one of the guys in my group often says is um, you can write a song that is really poetic as long as the middle eight just explains it in really plain terms. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's smart. I don't, I don't know if I've misquoted him there, but that's what I heard. That's what I took away from it anyway. <laughs> now all of your middle eights have like 10,000 words in them just to try. <laughs> so the topics of the minuscule musicals are really funny in general because – I mean, and you say in, in the intros and stuff that you sort of, you want it to be about anything that comes to mind. Like it doesn't have to be a, something like Annie or Cats or something like truly thematic. It can be something that's just a thought. So you have things about, you have a storyline around um, a funeral director that cries a lot. You have something about a prisoner who's uh, trying to escape in a kangaroo skin. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of really funny little ideas that end up, being quite entertaining in you know three song little storyline I think one of my favorite ones was uh, the last one was about Bono and the Edge writing the Spider-Man <laughs> musical which was <laughs> pretty pretty silly idea but so so funny the, the good thing about it being a, a short musical is you can no idea is too small yeah so the the Bono and the Edge one is um, because in real life it needs so much setting up and backstory, which we do provide on the podcast on that yeah. particular episode. But but not everyone knows this that in real life Bono and the Edge wrote a Spider Man musical, which was you know produced on Broadway and ran for a few. It was basically a flop. Like, yeah. um, I, I think because of the amount of money behind it, it, it did actually run for quite a few shows as they were trying to fix it, retool it, uh, you know, a la what we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, in our musical, in our minuscule musical, Bono and The Edge have just, so this is before they've written their Spider-Man musical, they haven't even thought about it yet, but they've just been to the Dublin premiere of <laughs> The Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> and... You know they've gotten really excited. They're like, "We've got to do a musical," and then, and then uh, I think Bono uses the word, "Oh, that'd be amazing," or something like that. And the Edge goes, "Amazing! Hang on a second. What about the Amazing Spider-Man?" And off they go. They start. So they're in the limo, having seen the Lion King, and then they're like hashing out what the what this Spider-Man musical could be about. Yeah, and quickly sort of get into disagreement about what the focus of it should be. Yeah, and whether they're going to use their real names or not. Yeah, and whether they're going yeah. to use their real names or not. So Bono, <laughs> Bono's whole thing is that he 
he wants to make it like really political, but but he's but he actually doesn't know anything about Spider Man, whereas the Edge knows everything about Spider Man yeah. and keeps getting frustrated at mad mad Marvel. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you can we talk a little bit about like okay, so um, who was it? So you have a different guest that you get together with and write. So you sort of um, you you sometimes you come up with an idea or they come up with an idea and then you get together and you're just saying for a few days you sort of write this 10-minute musical. Yeah. How How is the writing process? Like how how are you doing it? Where are you doing it? Are you able to be honest with your collaborator around the things that you think maybe wouldn't work or is it like a <laughs> delicate situation? It really varied, but I would say that, that as a rule, because it's the first time you're collaborating with someone, everyone is, is at their most generous. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So... I'm just getting these lovely, fresh relationships, yeah. you know. <laughs> Not like oh, Gates and Scott, where you're just like, fuck this, this is fucked. <laughs> well, yeah, you, that, if you want that to be the subtext, you can. <laughs> Actually, we're much more passive-aggressive, but we oh, definitely, yeah. but it's, but it's definitely not, it's definitely not fresh. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's um, been thirty years. Yeah, it's been thirty years. That's okay. <laughs> um, I love collaboration because I, I don't consider myself to be a complete artist. Like I need to, I think I have a few gaps in my in my skills and I find that most people can fill those gaps. Like mm. for one thing, I just, you know, like you have an idea and it's really, it's kind of really obvious how it works to you and you write it down and then another, sometimes you just need another person to look at that and go, well, what do you actually mean? Oh, yeah. And then. Yeah, it's so important. And, and and then you get somewhere where the, that idea might still be intact or improved on, mm. but it's also but but at the very least it's actually been made into something that that makes sense. Yeah, that, you know that has its own logic and you know yeah for sure is worth listening to. So you're sort of saying that you you get together. I mean, it's obviously different with everyone, but I imagine yeah. that there'd be ideas coming from both sides. And then how do you know when you're done? When the story's told? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Yeah, when the story's told. Like, you know, because we we generally know roughly where it's going to go before we even write a note. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the it's usually like a reasonably long chat about what the shape of the story is. And then off we go and we just, you know, how, well, how's it going to start? Mm. And then, you know, the, we make changes and changes. And depending on the one, like... The, the one that I did with Gillian Cosgriff, I think, actually changed radically. Like, what it ended up being started this thing that only just passingly sort of gets referred to in the final product. But most of them were reasonably kind of fleshed out before we before we did them, I think. And do you record your conversations? Because I noticed, so when, so the actual episode that we hear as, a, as an audience is you in front of an audience somewhere in Melbourne with your collaborative partner yeah, and you introduce the concept of the Minuscule Musical podcast and you sort of have a tiny little personal story about it and then you, most of the episode you play an audio snippet of the the first idea of that particular musical. Yeah. Is that, so is that something you're recording at home? So we just, well, we were recording at the um, tripod office. So... I would just record that initial bit where we're talking about deciding on what idea we're going to do. So we yep. pitch a few ideas to each other because I just like the idea of having that moment, that little moment on, you know, on tape. Yeah, it's so, so cute. And and also makes you imagine the actual writing process, which is cool. I mean, I was going to record the entire writing process, but it's between three and five days and to yeah. to then edit that cuz cuz that probably would be an interesting that probably would be an interesting thing to do if if someone edited it but that's like just uh, that's an insane amount of work yeah and are you editing yeah i'm editing yeah. i'm not mixing but i'm editing i'm uh, that's sort of the only technical bit that i do the editing yeah cuz you have done your like song in an hour you've recorded that whole process with tripod um, and it is, yeah. it's really interesting to listen to as a musician. I often wonder, like, I wonder if people who aren't musicians are just going like, what is this? You know, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a real insight into being in a band. 
it's really yeah which i love obviously but yeah <laughs> certainly when you start going oh i think it should go to the five there or something yeah that, maybe it's one of those things where it just puts you in the world more hearing those details that you don't quite understand you know like i was reading an article about succession recently oh, yeah. and i was so relieved when the it was the actual guy who made Succession. What's his name? Jesse Armstrong. I was yeah. so relieved when he goes, oh, by the way, like, if you don't understand anything about all the mergers and the deals and everything, that's that's okay. Like, you're not really meant to. It's just meant to show you that it feels like a, a real world. Like, the only thing you're meant to understand is what's going on between the characters. And I was, like, really relieved. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, that stuff's there for a reason, but it's not you're not necessarily supposed to like track every single detail of, of, of that. But yeah, that is actually really relieving to hear. And I wonder if it's the same with people just studying tripod from an anthropological <laughs> level. <laughs> just going, look at, the, <laughs> look at those monkeys do the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. This feels like a real world. Yeah, <laughs> it is a real world. It's been your world for a it long is. time. Um yeah. Well, yeah, I love that. Like the the concept. I was texting you the other night when I was when I was binging all the episodes. It's it's such a good concept. Super entertaining, super engaging. Um, the your guests are really funny. Um, I imagine that getting the guests is sort of a lot of work too, because you're getting people that are actually in often like in the musical world, people who have yeah. experience with writing musicals or performing musicals. Can you tell me a little bit about the guests? Yeah. Um, so some of them are people just I've known forever and some of them are people I'd barely spoken to mm. um, but I knew had done this sort of stuff before, had written theatre or had written, you know, comedians. It's It's kind of interesting, like, comedians tend to be, they're really good at talking about story. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that's a really obvious thing to say, but they no, not at all. they're nearly all obsessed with film. And I, I often think that we, when we're working out these stories, we've probably all got a little film in our heads, you know? Yeah, right. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So it really depended on the person though. Like some, you know, some people were more, you know, interested in really sort of the mechanics of the story and other people were more interested in sort of the poetry of it or, you know, yeah, I mean that's what's so fun about. I, I mean, I hope that the musicals feel different because they've all got me. They've all got a lot of me in them. Yeah, but, but some more I, I, than others, you know. Like sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah, it's sure. not all you. One of the things that I really love about it, and I've I've said this to you many times, is that I find your voice so beautiful, and I'm often moved, even when you're singing about something really silly. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I know, like, I've texted you that after tripod shows and stuff, and I don't think I've texted the others that. <laughs> but um, well, just, let's not just tell don't, them. Just don't tell me. If, you know, <laughs> I don't need to know. Do you know what? For years I've walked around going, because people come up to you after a show or friends go, yeah. guess what? Hey, you know what? You're my favourite. <laughs> and for years, for years, I n- it never crossed my mind that anyone would have ever said that to one of the other two. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not happening. Then. Like, it's quite possible that Gatesy's had that said to him 10 times more than I yeah, have. Like, yep. But I only realised that like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that realisation too. You would have been like, hey. Yeah, <laughs> but, this is bullshit. But I actually do feel like, I mean, I'm the others obviously have beautiful voice. Everyone has a beautiful voice and that's why you work so well as a as a group. But... There's something about your voice, which is, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm often moved by it. I think you've got such a clear, oh, beautiful you. voice. And obviously that was one of my favourite bits about this podcast too, is getting to hear you sing. And um, and often, you you know, you hit those falsetto notes that are so clear and beautiful. <laughs> can oh, I, Actually, can I ask you, have you had vocal training? My history as a singer was... Like I was in a, I was in the National Boys Choir when I was, uh, f- from about the age of ten to fifteen, and that is a kind of training because mm. you, you know, you're learning about harmonies and you're learning, but th- but it's not really there's not really much sort of technique. So coming out of that, I did have some singing lessons, 
from various teachers mm. and like because I because I think I think for a while I thought I thought oh, I want to like sing opera really and yeah and my first teacher who you know was quite I think quite a serious character in that world she's like oh you don't have the body you'll never be a um you'll never be an opera singer because you're just too slight oh. you'll never like you've got you've got the kind of color of a voice that that is good but your body will never take you as far as you you would need to really you know, yeah yeah but couldn't you so, have like carved up and proteined up and oh. become a bigger man <laughs> i don't know that- i don't know how these things work <laughs> You probably could a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that was something I was never going to do. Yeah, In fact, fair you know enough. what? I went, she she said that to me and I enrolled at the gym at Monash Uni and I went there and the first day I overdid it on the, um, oh. you know that machine that, that makes you, you sort of bringing your elbows into, you're sort of sitting down yeah, facing yeah, yeah. out and you're bringing your elbow, elbows in. Yeah. And I sort of overdid it and I was in so much pain. Oh, and no. I think I never went back. Yeah, fair enough. I think I I did. Um, this was years ago. Um, I overdid it at the gym and I vomited. It was because of oh, the um, wow. the big rope. I was lifting the big rope. <laughs> oh, those <laughs> ones really that you sort of snake. It. Yeah, they're fucked. Yeah, you're meant oh. to like lift them up with your arms, and afterwards I just just like in a ball on the ground. Going, did you, so sick. Did you spew like? In the, in the I did it in the like bathroom on, on the floor. No, no, oh, okay. I was you, like, I feel really bathroom. sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I can see how how you can overdo it when you're not used to it. Um, but yes, right. So you you were just yeah, you wanted to be an opera singer, but but you were like, I'm yeah, never going to do the actual the the gym work to <laughs> become less of but, a slight person. Well, it was both that and just she like the way she was saying it was like, it's just your body can never be that body. Yeah, right. Um, or, or maybe that's just the way I was hearing it. Yeah. I don't know. But I had a few, like, and then I had another singing teacher later on who was like, <laughs> I, I, I auditioned for an op- for um, what was at the time called the Australian Opera. Mm-hmm. And I was in like, so I was, I got into the chorus of this, of this opera called Tosca. And she was, like when I told her the news, I thought she'd be like, you know, proud of me or whatever. And she was disgusted. <gasps> Why? Because I think because she's like, you've got so much more work to do. And now that you've passed this audition, that means you're going to not, gonna not do it. work. You know, you're not going to do the work. Oh. I mean, it was a chorus. It wasn't like I was a lead role or anything. Yeah. But um. And was she right? Anyway, I... <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, she sort of was, but I, you, what the thing that happened with the opera was I did that, I did Tosca and, and loved that because I love that music. Mm. Um, and then they, they, we, they just put me into whatever the next opera was called. Uh, it was a Tchaikovsky one. And I started doing um, rehearsals for that with them. And then one of the rehearsals clashed with a tripod gig because tripod oh. existed. This is in like the early 90s. And we were doing gigs in pubs or something, and there was a there was a gig came up and it clashed. So I rang them up and I went, and I said, "Oh, can I can you can I just not do that rehearsal? I'll learn all the material because um, I've got this gig." And they're like, "No, <gasps> hardcore." And so I had to choose. Oh, well, and I feel like you made the right choice in the end. Yeah, oh, I do too. Like yeah. I, because the thing. The thing that Tripod has given me is a life as a creator, not just. A, I mean, I know that I know that singing and acting is a kind of creation. Yeah. But but there's a there's a whole other sort of rest of the iceberg of creation that I've gotten to do in Tripod that yeah, I might not have so done. Much. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that you know maybe. Maybe I could have enjoyed a career in the opera, even if that was. I well, I'm, I probably agree that it wasn't possible. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know, <laughs> my slightness and all that. Um, <laughs> your circum, your chest <laughs> circumference. My chest circumference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Right. That's so interesting. And uh, yeah, but I do feel like 
you've had such an amazing career in terms of being able to write your own stuff, which is something that, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't have been able to do such a varied amount of writing. Well, I wouldn't have even thought to do it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I just didn't so – I think some jobs in life, you, either you don't know they exist or you don't even imagine that that's a thing you – could do or yeah would have the chance to do I don't know yeah but I don't know about you but I feel like in my life I just walk into things like I very rarely right. plan things out I very rarely go I'm gonna d- just do sound design for a thing right it's always like someone will ask me and then I'll be like oh yeah I'd like to learn about sound design and then you know then I try and learn it and and do a project and learn as I go and you know, I, I feel like so many opportunities arise just from doing other stuff. Absolutely. I, I feel like we're so lucky in that field, <laughs> you know, doing what we yeah. do. So random. Your skills kind of find you too, don't they? Like, Yeah. Um, so are you you're doing much tripod stuff at the moment? There's a couple of gigs this year, but we're, we're not doing a huge amount at the moment. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm busy doing this other thing, mm. which is... Writing songs for a a video game oh, musical yeah. it comes out in um it comes out in August of twenty three I don't know when when people are hearing this but and it's called Stray Gods and it I can quite confidently say it's never been done before <laughs> um, <laughs> a video game musical yeah so. You know, like picture those games that work a little bit like a choose your own adventure. Like you, you, you might be, so you're playing a character and you're talking to another character in the world. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom of the screen, there's the option to, you know, be an asshole, yes. be manipulative or be friendly, you know, and you can pick one of those three dialogue options. So imagine that, but songs. Amazing. It's crazy. So then you're writing songs for all reactions kind of thing. Just say... You decide that your character is going to say X instead of Y or Z, right? Mm-hmm. And then your character sings this verse outlining X, mm-hmm. you know, to, along the lines of X. And then it's like, now what do you want to say? The song sort of follows a journey that the player chooses. That sounds so complicated to map out. It's insane. It's so, It's such a head fuck. I bet. How long have you been working on it? Uh, well, so I'm now, I'm currently working on like uh, this DLC, which is like, you know, an add-on bit. So the main mm-hmm. game, because the main game comes out in August. So um, this add-on bit, I think, comes out in six months or something like that. Um, but we're, yeah, uh, we've been working on it. So Tripod have done a bit of work on it too. We've all sort of worked separately on it really. Yeah. Um, because uh, you can't be in the same room together anymore. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a, joke. a lot of it happened over the. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to quantify that. <laughs> People will love if it's not a joke. Um, um, the, we actually we literally weren't in the same room working on it because it was during all those crazy Melbourne yeah, lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it. Um, so yeah, it's probably been. It's. I mean, they started working on it. The people who who had the idea. They started working on it like about five years ago or six mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. So it's just insane. Like, wow. You know, uh, the songs that the songs that I wrote on before this current one, I finished about a year and a half ago. Yeah, right. And then it was just like a year and a half of all the graphics bit of it. Wow. And then what platform will it come out on? Everything? It's gonna. It's pretty much everything except iOS, I think. Like, it's going to be... Wow. PC and Xbox and all that. Wow, wow, wow. That's huge. It's crazy. I, I'm so fascinated to see how people respond to it. I can't wait to check it out. Do. I, well, I will. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of said that as if you weren't going to check it I out. Know. Even though you just said you couldn't wait to. <laughs> Do. Okay. Um. <laughs> I said I was going to. Good. <laughs> Why are we fighting? <laughs> you and I have never had a fight before. No. Um, no only fake not, ones. Let's not. Let's Can we not talk start. about the time we played Dungeons and Dragons with you? <gasps> yes. It's one of my all-time favorite memories. I have um I have this really 
really funny memory of tripod. I want to say it was like seven years ago, but it, I don't know. That sounds about right. Um, tripod came to town to do your Dungeons and Dragons performance. And afterwards we were having some drinks um, and I I felt like I put my foot in it. I was like, I don't really know that much about Dungeons and Dragons. I've never played it. And you all just sort of like almost dropped what you were doing. What do you mean you've never, <laughs> you've never played it? it? But it is, isn't it common to not have played it? Like it still feels like, oh, look, I'm not going to try and persuade you that we didn't <laughs> react like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> this is like a this is a long term memory. It I, it might have been completely different, but this is my memory of okay, it. Okay, no, go on, go on, go on. And I um, and and you guys didn't have any plans after the show, and um, <laughs> my my partner was away, so I was like, well, I have I have the apartment. If you do, your partner have- was away, so you brought three men <laughs> back to the apartment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I had heaps of alcohol for some reason. We must have had like a party or something beforehand where I just had heaps of alcohol in the house. Um, right. And I was like, yeah, just come around. And and so it was already after a show. So I feel like we probably didn't yep. even get back to mine until like pretty late. And, yep. um, and then you were like, I've got a Dungeons and Dragons dice on my phone or something. Well, you had right. like some kind of portable D&D device. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does it sound like, I feel like it wasn't a real dice. It might've been like just on your phone. I can't remember. Does we that might've right? just found, we might've just found something on the yeah. internet or something yeah. to, to do the dice or something. Yeah. And we didn't have a board or a book or anything. No. But um, we used our, I think we used like just stuff that we were found around the house, like our mobile phones. You, you don't really need anything other than some sort of dice. Like you could yeah. use any kind of dice because the only physical thing you need is for when you need to see what happens when something, when someone tries to do something. And yeah. You, you want to see whether they succeed or Yeah, whether. yeah. But I remember, I, I remember, like I'm not just saying this, it was one of the funnest times doing it, partly because it was fun just trying to w- because it's 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 not a game you can really explain to someone. Like you have to play it to sort of understand what it is and why it's any good. Yeah. And it was just fun watching you get into it. Yeah, I got so into it, and I and I remember also just like I felt like we started probably at midnight, and then the next time we looked at our watches, it was like four a.m. or something. Like it was. Yeah. It the time went so quickly, and my face hurt from laughing. And I think mainly because Scott is such an amazing, um, what's it called? The the storyteller, dungeon, dungeon master. Yeah, <laughs> I've learned yeah. a lot. The dungeon master, he he was so good at that storytelling aspect. Yeah, um, he, he he is great at it. And yeah. Gatesy was being so silly, like he. I think he was a berserker, and that right. all I remember is he kept saying, "I'm going to go berserk" every time he had any action <laughs> or question. Right. <laughs> and that just killed me. And then, and I felt like you and I were sort of trying to be a bit more like uh, keep the game moving while those two were it, just just so funny. It's one of those things where you, you kind of want to know, you can be silly, but if you're silly in the wrong way, it sort of breaks it. Yeah. But if everyone basic, like everyone has to basically buy into it and then off you go. But if one person doesn't buy into it, it doesn't work at all. That's true. Yeah. yeah, it's honestly like I I just loved it so much and I laughed so hard and I really got into it and afterwards I really did think maybe if I was if I was going to play it I'd want to play it with people like you guys where you know it it's so funny and so entertaining and so smart because everyone was sort of everyone had so much experience with it and and Scott's storytelling is just gorgeous so um yeah. yeah. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Great. Chapter explored. Chapter explored. Loved it. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons a lot in your in your everyday life? Do you know what? In my life, I reckon I've played 10 times. Yeah, wow. So I don't do it habitually. I've done it a couple of times with Scott, that time with you, a couple of times with schoolmates. I think I played with my kids once. Um, Are your kids into it? They did really enjoy it. 
But it takes, you know, it just takes, you know, like I said, there's a lot of buy-in and you've got to sort of get into the right mood and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And some people are good at just snapping into that mood, whereas I probably yeah. take a bit more, <laughs> you know, time and place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, yeah. probably. I don't know. I'm pretty suggestible, actually. I'd probably get into it. You were very... um open to the whole thing because some people come to it with quite a lot of skepticism because it has a weird you know it has a bit of a weird reputation or whatever yeah 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 and this was way before stranger things like that it was way before it became cool that's true and and like i remember like one of my flatmates used to play it a bit and he had he'd have friends over to play it this is when i was in my early 20s and i remember walking into the room and just feeling so awkward yeah because I, i wasn't playing and it really is one of those things where from the outside it's it's, it's super bizarre. weird and awkward. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I know. I imagine if anyone if anyone had walked into our situation, they would have just been like they would have broken the magic as well. Yeah. It's a bit like watch it's it's a bit like watching someone tripping if you're yeah. not like Oh totally. It's yeah. like nah, I I shouldn't be here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've had Scott on the podcast before and we talked quite a lot about tripods journey and start and everything and I yeah this is something else I really loved about about your your minuscule musical podcast is that both members of tripod make an appearance as um accompanists oh, I really felt yes. like I was having a stroke saying the word accompanist is that right <laughs> accompanist <laughs> accompany accompanist 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 <laughs> they both made an appearance um on the guitar and it was yep. really cute because neither of them were very vocal because it wasn't about them. <laughs> <laughs> they were very n- nice about being in the background. In fact, I think at one point I thanked Scott for not doing anything. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, it was really nice because, um, you know, they're such, obviously such a big part of your life and they're both such killer guitarists that it was really yeah. nice to have them involved in your project as well. They have such different guitar styles. Yeah, they do. Like they couldn't be more different. And and they like even if they wanted to, they couldn't play like each other. Like Yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes Gatesy will go, do this and Scott will go, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a thing I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I actually noticed straight away when Gatesy was playing, it was like, dun, 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 dun. like he d- he loves that strumming style. Yeah, yeah. A- and then Scott's like heaps more like sort of smooth. Scott's really sort of loose around the, really loose around the rhythm and Gatesy's more sort of on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it works. It was It was really nice. It was really nice to have them come up in it. It was. Yeah. yeah. What else do you want to talk about? We talk about movies. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about movies? <laughs> sure. <laughs> One thing I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get up. I don't know. I don't know what it is yet, but I find myself writing songs about um, TV shows and movies. Oh yeah. And well, you, you've got your Chernobyl song. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So we do have a tri- tripod. Have been recently doing this. Um, again, it's kind of basically a minuscule musical again, um, about me sitting on the couch watching the HBO TV show Chernobyl. Yeah. Um, it sounds really grim, but it's very funny. It's silly. Um, I set myself this rule last year because I can be like, when I get into conversations about TV shows and movies, I tend to be the guy that like nitpicks and nitpicks and nitpicks. And so... With my with my songs about TV shows and movies, I tried to go have this rule for myself again restrictions, and the and and the rule is I'm only allowed to write a song if it's out of love for a particular thing. Oh, that's a nice so, rule. Yeah, because otherwise it's just I don't know I I just like that as a as a way to kind of have a a singular approach that would maybe bring it all together or something, but like. So there's a song about um, there's a song about loving, um, you know, like in Ridley Scott's several of Ridley Scott's sci-fi movies, there are these yeah. robots that have like bl- uh, milk for blood. <laughs> I don't I don't know that, but that sounds disgusting. Well, like in in Alien, 
<laughs> it's, it is disgusting, but it's really sort of cool. Like, so yeah. like in Alien, there's a bit where like one of the robot, one of the android characters who just looks like a human, by the way. He yeah, looks yeah, completely yeah. like a human and his skin looks really sick and everything. But when he like gets cut open or whatever, it's just this sort of milk and weird yuck, milky sort of stuff. And yeah, so there's a song about loving that. <laughs> There's a, there's a song about um, loving Mike White. You know the guy who wrote um, he wrote School of Rock, but he also wrote um, yeah White Lotus. White Lotus. Yeah, that's my. I don't know. What, I don't know what form this takes. I've just been writing the songs without knowing how to actually deliver them to the world. That's great. I can't wait to hear your Milk Blood song. That sounds super gross. I think I'm gonna love it. Last time I went to see Tripod um, was sort of quite recently in Melbourne with our mutual beautiful friend Georgia Mooney and Georgia and I laughed so hard we had people around us turn around and look at us. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it was so weird being judged at a comedy show for laughing loudly. Oh yeah, that's that is weird, isn't it? I don't think that's ever happened to me before. But comedy's a really weird thing, like I think I mean, maybe some of, some of the things you were laughing at weren't things they thought were funny. Yeah, yeah, and, maybe. And, like, when someone thinks – it's really interesting. Like, when someone thinks something's funny that you don't, it, it does make you angry. Yeah, it's quite like, dividing, isn't it? Like, when you think of a – when you think of a sitcom that you don't like, that you think is really unfunny, you don't just go, oh, that's not for me. You get angry inside. Do you, do you have that? Yeah, I just probably just get a bit confused, but I do understand. Oh, okay, well, maybe it's maybe it's more me. But... Yeah, but I think also maybe for us, it's um, knowing knowing you all personally is an extra. Yeah, added, I'm sure it's an extra thing that that makes things more funny or or possibly less funny. But for us, it was definitely more funny that night. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, we got brutally judged. It was really strange. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was next time we'll, funny. Next time we'll just play for the two of you. <laughs> okay, great. Great. I was trying to get this idea off the in fact I <laughs> in fact I um have you do you know the comedian Daniel Kitson? Have you yes. do you know that guy? I love him. Right. So he he's amazing. So he was there during the comedy festival and he and he said he came up and he, he goes, Oh, I don't think we can see each other's shows. Um, because we were scheduled on at the same time. Yeah. And then I went away from that conversation going, why don't we just do a show for just him? Just for Daniel. <laughs> and, it's, and it's called Tripod One Man Show. And it's like... We... <laughs> so with, without, without mentioning it to the other two, because I was scared that they just would hate the idea, yeah. I emailed Daniel Kitson and I, and I did this whole... I spent ages, like I wrote this whole email going, you know, and, it, and, it, and we could video it and it'd be like... One man show, and you know, you just be this guy getting sung at, and and whatever your reactions are, we capture that. And how great would that be? I think I wrecked it by saying, "Let's video it." By the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm always thinking with my commercial hat. Yeah, That's my sure. Problem. Yeah, yeah. But, Capitalism. Um, anyway, anyway, he didn't respond. <laughs> and then Gatesy comes up to me a couple of days later, and he's like, he's like, "Oh, I saw Kitson the other day." I'm like, "Oh yeah," and he goes, "Yeah." Um, he mentioned that you wanted him to um, be an audience for a, for a one man show and and film it. And I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then he just didn't. Gates, he didn't say anything else, and I didn't say anything else. And it was just this awkward thing of like, because I hadn't mentioned it to them or anything. Like I basically pitched an idea to someone involving them. <laughs> And then what happened? We still haven't talked about it. We still haven't. I don't think we've even talked about it since then. But um, did you email anyway, Kitson I, and go never mind? I eventually saw Kitson because oh. he, he ended up being able to come to our show just because oh, no. whatever happened. Something yeah. happened. And um, and he brought it up and he goes, "Oh, by the way, I did like the idea. I just didn't want to be the one man." Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. It's a lot of pressure it, to be the one man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure to be the one man. And also if you're if you're a comedian, it would also be it would be an added pressure, I reckon. I think so. Yeah. It's a it, it you're too close. It's one of those ideas where you would have to be really interested in the outcome. Like Yeah. Yeah. To to because 
you don't really know how it would, you know, whether it would just be super awkward or yeah. really great. I would do it. I would be the one man if you needed would you? someone. Yeah. One woman show. Because I reckon, I reckon I'm a pretty easy laugh and that would make you guys feel good. And, it would. And I love Tripod, so that would make me feel good. And then we can just beam that out to thousands of people who would just get angry that you were laughing Great. at things that, yeah. <laughs> that, perfect. that they weren't finding funny. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it when people are angry at me as well. So that would be an extra bonus for me. Just oh, love, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually my worst nightmare. If anyone's angry with me, I, I will crumple. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at that either. Okay, forget it. Um, right. It was a nice idea for a second. Let's we'll see if George is interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to ask you my last question, yep. which is the question that I ask everyone. What is your strangest show experience, or the strangest thing that's happened to you because you are a musician? I think the strangest thing that's happened to me because I've sort of got two, but I'll tell me both. The, the strangest thing that's happened to me because I'm a musician, is um, this friend of the family, This so this lady who was about, she was about 60, she goes, oh, so you so you, you do music, do you? I go, yeah. And she goes, oh, I once slept with the guy who wrote Stuck in the Middle with you. <laughs> Amazing. What did you say? I was like, oh, right. <laughs> I just like that. That was that Jerry Rafferty. Is that is that who it is? I I, I guess it is because it's his band. It was isn't a Steelers it? wheel, right? Right. I just like that. That was saying that I did music was an in for saying for saying that. <laughs> and then the other thing and that the, I do you remember what? Yeah, sorry, wait, I have more questions yeah. about that. Um, what did what did you say? Did you just were you trying to just play it cool and be like, oh, okay? I think I was or just trying you... to be cool about it because whenever yeah. someone whenever someone you know, asks me about my work, I I just have this very strong compulsion to just try and seem cool about it. Like I don't care or whatever. Like it's awful. Yeah. I'm just embarrassed. Yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed I... either way. Like I'm embarrassed <laughs> to big note myself and I'm embarrassed to, to do that. Dismiss it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know I feel that exactly the same way. I'm so terrible at selling myself. But it's weird because I can sell... I could, you know, I I make like tiny felt instruments. Yeah. I'm really proud of those, and those I can talk about and say I'm oh. really proud of them and and stuff. But with yeah, with my music and and sometimes my podcast too, I find it way more embarrassing to talk about. Music has such inbuilt baggage, doesn't it? Like sometimes it feels like it's um, this is a cliche, but not about the music at all. Like sometimes it feels like a musician is a is an actual human who who is an artistic statement. Do you know what I mean? It's not just yeah. the, it's not just the, the notes that they choose to sing or the sounds that they choose, but it's like their whole being is meant to be a fully realized piece of art. You know, like everyone's meant to be David Bowie, like because he feels like he, yeah. he, you know, he feels like he was that. Yeah, or, or, totally, yeah. or Prince or something. Yeah, yeah, but not Sayer and Yoni. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> Not at this point, <laughs> unless we can shrug off the baggage. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Maybe. Let's be positive. Maybe we'll shrug off okay. the baggage in our 60s yeah. or something. Well, you know, you, with with age sometimes comes not caring and then, then, yeah. and then that's, you know, the ultimate goal, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Let's to look like you don't care. We'll be cool when we're old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your other story? Well, the other one was... Um, we're in Tasmania doing a uni gig and I I can't remember why, but someone goes, oh, Yoni, do a stage dive. And oh, no. I'd never actually considered what, like I think I'd, I'd, no, I'd definitely seen them um, before, but I never actually considered what it involved to do one. Yeah. So without thinking, because I was just trying to do that thing you know, you know, there's that sort of unwritten law in comedy where it's like, yes, and it's like no matter what yeah. someone says, yeah. do, you know, build on whatever they've suggested. So anyway, I dove, I did a stage dive in the sense of 
diving when you're about to do freestyle in a swimming pool. You know what I mean? Oh, like no. just diving straight. Was it a seated crowd? No, they was they were standing. Like it, it it felt like the right kind of crowd to you could you could have done a proper stage dive if you knew how to do yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. And great. You 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 could well have been caught. Yeah. But I just sort of dived like yeah like straight ahead <laughs> dive not not the thing where you sort of jump up and then flip on your back in the air and then land which I think is what what you're meant to do. Yeah. And I and I went headfirst into this lady's face, and <laughs> I think she was okay, but she looked pretty upset. Oh no! And oh, it hurt no. me too a little bit, but oh. it was just. Then oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of, then I just sort of meekly crawled back up onto the stage. And tried to pretend that that was how it was meant to work. Wait, so you dove into her her face, and then did you get held up at all, or was it just sort of like no, oh, no. because I was already on the ground. Like <laughs> to get held up would have would have involved people literally picking me up off the ground and then holding me up. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I was never up. I was I was only ever like stage level <laughs> at the highest. Because <laughs> think about it: when you jump into a pool. You're not, you know, at, at the moment when you hit the, the water, you're below the level that your feet were at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's very funny visual. <laughs> also, I'm imagining this woman being like in her 50s, but she's probably not in her 50s. But no, that's in my our mind. audience is now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've never done a stage dive either. You haven't? No, and I remember saying it to um, Ben, the bass player from Regurgitator, before a show, and he was like, "Oh my god, you have to do it!" But I was like, "I'm a really tall person, and I'm You're so tall, scared yeah. of hurting people." Turns out you don't need to be tall to hurt people. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Your chest circumference can be very slight. <laughs> Um, yeah, but so I'd never done it. And he was like, all right, tonight's the night. And we were, um, I can't remember where we were. We might've been in, in Tassie as well. But anyway, I, um, I chickened out cause I looked oh. at the audience right when he, he was like, come on, let's go. And they all Did he even looked... like give you a tips on how to do it or? No, like, no, got no. nothing. You don't want to de- deconstruct it. Yeah. You just want to, you do it yeah. or you don't do it. Yeah. Yep. And I, I felt like the, the crowd that night just looked really like dangerous, you know? Right. I don't know if you've ever seen a regurgitator crowd, but occasionally they look really, really mental. <laughs> and okay. I just, <laughs> I just got really do, scared. <laughs> do those guys still do them or, or have they ever stage done Stage dives? I don't yeah. know. I've never seen them stage dive ever. Right. Okay. But then I, you know, I joined when they were already in their 30s. So who knows? Okay. Maybe they did. When they were young. Yeah. You only do it when um, you're in your 20s. I, don't, I yeah. think it's too late for me. It might be too late for you. It sounds like it was already too late for you when you tried. <laughs> the, other, the other thing that I did, uh, we were at the Woodford Folk Festival one time, which is a really great festival. And we were playing this, you know, it was just a really, just the kind of vibe when you're a musical comedian, that's sort of the coolest you ever feel is at like a, a music festival and... I don't know, it was just, you know, everyone's cheering in the right way and it's great vibe. And I, the very first song, we did this song called Thursday, which is like meant to be like this very rocking party sort of song, but about Thursday night. And yep. um, I was I was doing this thing, you know, everyone at Woodford walks around in bare feet, or a lot of people do anyway. Yeah. And a lot of performers perform in bare feet, so I... I don't know why, I, I think I was already in bare feet, so I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll do the gig in bare feet. And in the first song, that very first song, I slammed the mic stand on my toe oh, no. and broke my toe. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sensing a theme? But did you go, that's broken, or did you go, that just hurt, I'm going to do the rest of the gig? I only knew it was broken when I got the x-ray. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really hurt. You know, bone, broken bones hurt. Yeah, they do. In a really specific yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really annoying when when you're a person who's in pain, but it's not a visible injury. So a broken yeah. toe, a headache. Oh, um, yeah. You know, anything like that. A back problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the worst injuries to have because all you can do is tell people 
that you're hurt. But it's never going to be as believable as blood pouring out of your head or a bone coming out of your leg. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can say that about mental health too, can't you? But that's probably a a much longer chat. Yeah. Absolutely. It sucks because because you could just be lying. Yeah. No one will ever know. Yeah. Let's not end on that note, right? Um, yeah, maybe quick a quick update on next things coming up. You've got your you've got your video game musical, and then um, minuscule musicals. I hope you do some more. I know it's a lot of work. We we sort of texted about this. Um, you're you're calling it a limited series for now. Yeah, but they're all available to download. They're very very entertaining and very engaging. I'm so glad you like them. Um. By the way, it's um, it's M I N U school musical. It's not mini school. Oh, um, sorry, menu school. No, no, I'm not correcting you. You, you, because you haven't spelled it out yet. <laughs> but I'm just saying because people <laughs> by default put mini school. Oh, yeah, M I N U, which uh, it just looks better. Uh, they're they're both acceptable spellings. So yep. um, if you thought it was mini, you you're also right. But it, but my one is has a U. Menu menu school. Yeah, but you don't. It's not how you pro, you pronounce it the same way. <laughs> it's the same way you pronounce accompanist. You're yeah. you're a company accompanist. Accompanist. <laughs> I think you're just overthinking it. I know. Accompanist. Accompanist. Um, I love talking to you always. Same. And I hope we get to see each other in real life soon. Great talking to you.